1: Is, is really the leader of the church. In the Gospels? Jesus said, I will build my church. And then when he ascended into heaven, he sent someone to lead the church. Who did he send to lead the church? It's the Holy Spirit.
0: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, senior pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Remember,
1: we've learned that who you are determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. What you feel and what you feel determines what you do. So, uh, what is shaping? Who is shaping your character. Stephen was a man whose character was shaped by the Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand what character is? Character is who you are when no one is looking. Character, as I read probably 20 years ago in a leadership book, is like that bowl of soup that the waiter's carrying on his tray as he comes to your table and something trips him up and a little bit of that soup spills out of the bowl. Character is what spills out of the bowl when you're tripped up. It's what comes out when the Tube of toothpaste is squeezed. John Wooten put it this way, the legendary basketball coach. He says, Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are. Your reputation is merely what others think you are. And it's easy for those of us like us who hang out periodically in places like this to, to put on a mask and let people think we're something, but our character is who we are and it will ultimately. And always come out. Character is important. Stephen was a man of character. What kind of character did he have? Well, we're told in this passage of Scripture, there are five things that he says we're full of. Some of you, on your way to church, your spouse turned to you this morning and said, you are full of, and they said something else. Those are not the things we're going to talk about right now. Let me just give you these five things that he said. He was full of faith. He was full of faith. We must be full of faith. Every one of us is placing our faith in someone or something. I told you a little bit of this story last week, but our, our little girl, uh, be- because she cannot see with her eyes, usually she has her cane, and that helps not only her, it helps others around her see that she cannot see. And so um, last week, after a quick trip to South Carolina, we'd stopped at a gas station, and Kimberly, we'd left her cane in the car because it was just a, a quick trip in and out. And, and so they were coming out of the door, and a man held the door, but I think he didn't understand that Anaya couldn't see, and so he let it go a little too soon, and it, it hit her. And that's when, <laughs> that's when Anaya said in a not-so-quiet voice, do you think he knew that I was B-L-I-N-D? And, which I said, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he can S-P-E-L-L. I mean, he can, he can spell. But I, I look at her and how she just has to live in faith. And I think that's what I want when it comes to my heavenly father. I, I want to be able to trust when I cannot see. That's what faith is. Psalms 27 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What are you putting your trust in today? You're putting your trust in something. And maybe it's how people look at you. Maybe it's in your retirement, in your titles. Maybe it's in your family or maybe you're living, I, I, I fear A lot of parents today are are living through their children. So they want their child to be the athlete or the musician or whatever that they never were. And so they're pushing them beyond because they're living through them. Their trust is in them. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man whose trust is in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Simple faith is a relationship in which we trust wholly In God, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not into my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him, and he directs my path. I I sat with a couple yesterday, and just facing a difficult health battle, and as we cried together, we said, there's one thing about it, when you come to a place where you know that ultimately you can't totally depend on the doctors, you have to totally depend on Jesus. 1 John 5, 4 says, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I, I want you to understand, if you're going to make it in this world, if you, if you want your face to be so inwardly adjusted, if you want to facelift from the inside out, you understand it's got to be driven from faith. Now, in chapter 7, we're going to see next week, Stephen's faith is exercised. We see that he has faith in the sovereignty of God, We see that he has faith in Jesus, the Messiah. And we we see that he has faith that the Holy Spirit is present. We'll talk about that more next week. But faith is simple trust regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequence. He was full of faith. And then secondly, he was full of the Holy Spirit. We must be full of the Holy Spirit. Three times we see it says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this. You will never live the life that Christ has planned for you to live apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Now let's do a quick theological review. When do we get the Holy Spirit of God? It's when we begin a relationship with him. So every Christ follower is filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's a problem. We leak. We're holy. H-O-L-E-Y. So the Holy Spirit needs to regularly fill us. How do we know this? Because in Galatians 5, we see that there is a difference between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. When I walk in the flesh, there's all sorts of things that I do. When I walk in the spirit, I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And and so one thing to do, just to ask if I'm filled with the spirit, do all of these things reflect my life? Now, I want to give you a quick pop quiz. Raise your hand if there's been at least one point this week where you're looking at that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, looking at that list, you say, there's at least one moment this, this week I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. You better be raising your hand because you leak. You leak, I leak, we all leak. All right, so we constantly say, Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us. I'm just telling you as a pastor, as Christians, I'm tired of of trying to do this apart from the Holy Spirit of God. We can't do it. It was never intended to be that way. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. And, and one reason our countenance does not radiate like an angel is because we're going through the challenges of life as mere men and women not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of grace. We must be full of grace. What does it mean to be full of grace? It means that I understand That I am what I am only because of the grace of God. Anytime I am not gracious, there is one culprit. And it is my pride. It's my failure to understand, oh God. Were it not for your grace, I could not stand. Because if I live in that understanding and in that confidence, I have no choice but to show grace to others. I'm going to be gracious out of the overflow of God's grace to me. And so Stephen, he was a man, and and you're going to see in chapter 7, he's a man's man, as the saying goes. He's willing to die for his faith. And yet he was known for his grace. Oh, that we as men would be known for our graciousness. Our grace shown toward others. That's why I love to remind you of a phrase that's impacted me for over 20 years. The Christ follower never has the liberty to be unkind. When we do that, we're guilty of sin and and pride, and we've not, we, we've leaked of the Holy Spirit. So maybe today you just need to be reminded about God's grace. I love the old hymn hymn that says, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than what? All our sin. That's God's grace toward us and that should be what motivates us to be gracious he was full of faith, he was full of the Holy Spirit he's full of grace and he was full of power, we must be full of the power of God again I look around the church of today and I don't see that not just our church though it's true of our church I I don't see us living it as if we understand that God's power is still available to us today power of God is still at work in our world today do you believe what scripture teaches that that the same power that conquered the grave is available to us see somehow we act as if we think what took place on the pages of scripture the God of the new testament is a different God than the one we serve today that's just not true The Jesus of the Bible, the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit that empowers and leads and fills us today. And his power should be evidenced in our lives. God's presence was evident in what Stephen did. We're introduced to him because he was chosen to serve. But it doesn't take us long to see that's not all he does. It says there were miracle and wonders done by him. The truth is we should be willing to serve. And you need to be aware that your church, and we're not alone, it's like every church, but your church needs more people to be willing to serve. I'm thankful today that we're able to live stream and and that our other campus, Mission Hill Six Mile, is able to be a part of this service. But the reality is we have a couple of camera operators that are vacant today. We need people like you to serve. And you may have to serve in things that are not your primary skill and in your area in which you don't feel most gifted. That was Stephen. He was willing to help with the widows. But here we're going to see that he also lived his life full of power. And the power of God flowed through him. God used him in a mighty way. the power of God that was working through him was simply evidence that he had been in the presence of God I want you to tell something, I want you to hear something though the power of God in Stephen still did not prevent him from paying the ultimate price for his faith because in the next chapter we see that he dies and maybe you need to hear this today and it this is more of an oh me moment than an amen moment. But sometimes God gives us his power that we might trust him through the storm, not so that we might be delivered from the storm. He was full of faith, the Holy Spirit, grace, and power, and then he was full of wisdom. We must be full of wisdom. Again, not intelligence, but godly wisdom. Biblical wisdom is the ability to see and to live from God's perspective. And the Bible says that that kind of wisdom is available to all of us. How do you get that wisdom according to the Bible? How do you get that wisdom according to the Bible? You just ask. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I, I love what it says in Proverbs 1 7 as well how does a man become wise the first step is to trust and reverence the Lord not just knowledge most of us are educated beyond our obedience but wisdom living with the inside of God in our lives so let's say these together he was full of faith say full of faith he was full of the Holy Spirit say full of the Holy Spirit he was full of grace say full of grace he was full of power say full of power And he was full of wisdom. Say full of wisdom. Now how do you get full of something? I want you to understand today. You'll never be full of one thing until you've been emptied of that which was in its place. And you'll never be full of the things we've just talked about. you're emptied of the things that keep you from being that way. And what are the things that keep us from being that kind of person? It's ourselves. Maybe you've had that kind of day where you've been around the house all day and you started out in the morning with a a glass of milk and you drank that milk but you didn't want to have to wash the glass and and so you just left it on the counter and then you're working around the house and then you you come back and you think, I, I think I need a little Diet Coke. And you take and you pour Diet Coke into that glass and all the milk wasn't gone. It doesn't matter how much Diet Coke you put in there. It's not really good with milk. At least I don't think so. And, and you will never experience the fullness that God wants you to have in life until you've been emptied of those things that are getting in the way. But. These last two questions I just want to ask you quickly because I want you to understand something just because you're full of the things that God wants you to be full of it doesn't mean you won't face difficulties in life. We we've we've got, <laughs> we've got to get back to looking at the Christian life the way the scriptures portray it. And the scriptures just do not portray this as something that's going to be easy or without difficulty and challenges and criticism. So while the first question is who or what is shaping your character the, the second question is how will you respond when you're criticized and, and you could kind of substitute challenged for that word criticized but in this case it was criticism because godly character gives you the ability to stand in, in the midst of criticism I'm not going to read this but Acts chapter 6 verse 11 begins to talk about those who were coming after Stephen and it begins this way. Look at the very beginning of it. It says, Then they secretly instigated men who said, We've heard him speak blasphemous words. These were the critics. Have you ever been criticized? Raise your hand if you've ever been criticized. I'm raising two. <laughs> Hey, let me just tell you, you Father's Day reminds me of another one of the lessons my dad taught me. i just started out in ministry. I was serving my first church. And these parents of these teenagers, they hurt my feelings, just to be honest with you. And so I called my hero, my dad, my number one pastor. And he said, what's up? And I told him, I said, what should I do? And he didn't miss a beat. After I'd told him how my feelings had been hurt and what they had said to me and what had been done, he just said, son, you either need to get thicker skin or you need to get out of the ministry. So I said, "Uh, can I speak to mom, please? (laughs) Like, that is not what I want to hear. But it's true, right? Criticism's a part of life. And and sometimes it's constructive criticism. Now, not every... Not everybody says, can I just give you a word of constructive criticism? Not every time that happens is it true. Let me tell you two things about constructive criticism. First, constructive criticism must be born out of relationship. If you don't have a relationship with a person, you don't have a right to give them constructive criticism. Secondly, it's got to be based in reality. If it's just your opinion of things, that's not constructive criticism. It's got to be based in reality. And what Stephen faced was not constructive criticism. He he was facing these people who were coming against him because of the man of character, of godliness that he was. And this should not be a surprise. Why? Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the forces of evil, of darkness, of wickedness. We have one enemy. Our enemy works through people who do not love God and follow him. And some people will always love their sin and their self more than they love God and what you have to say about them. So Stephen faced secretive critics. Have you ever faced those? You walk up to a group and all of a sudden everything gets quiet. Unfortunately, we do that sometime walking around the hall at church, don't we? Secretive critics. Then he faced stubborn critics. In chapter 7 and verse 51, he calls them stiff-necked people. What does that mean, stiff-necked? But well, if a person's stiff-necked, that means they can't, they can't do this. So they're only seeing the direction they're going. They're stubborn. He faced stubborn people. And then he, he faced the pot stirrers. Because you hear the word I read, they were not only secret, they were instigators. I was reading the Proverbs yesterday. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, it says in Proverbs fifteen eighteen. Do You know, people who always stir the pot, they begin the conversations. well, have you heard about this? Did you know about that? Well, they came after Stephen in the way, same way they had come about Jesus. But I, I want you to understand this. While you will have critics, if you walk with godly character, his power in you, would give will take away the validity of the criticism. In fact, today's proverbs I didn't put it in my notes, but today's proverb Proverbs 16 says when you are walking with God, even your enemies begin to find favor with you. Now listen to verse 10 though. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So who or what's shaping your character? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond when you're criticized? But the third question is this. What does your countenance say to everyone around you? So that's just what I want us to close with thinking about. What is this? What is it saying to those who are around you? And I'm telling you, some of you love Jesus, but you've let the overwhelming things of life so impact this that you're sending a bad message And you're hurting the cause. And the people around you are thinking, whatever they've got, I don't want any. What's all over your face? Verse 15 teaches us that godly character is evident in a person's countenance. Do you see that? Gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw his face was like the face of an angel. Why was his face like the face of an angel? Well, h- how do the faces of angels get the way they are? They're in the presence of God. Do we know anybody else whose face shone like that of an angel? Who? Moses. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament when Moses went up to the mountain and he came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, he did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking to God. I'm just telling you, when you've been in the presence of God, the people around you should be able to tell. They can tell when we haven't been. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that that is possible for you. I'm not going to read these verses in in verses 3, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, but if you go through that passage, you're going to find out that the glory of God can shine on your face just as it shone on Moses. So I want you to ask that question today. What is written?
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.